Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, podcast where a comedian talks to a relationship therapist about all things dating, uh, psychology, gender, sex, male, female, uh, and all spectrum, other genders. <laughs> uh, yeah. LGBT. I don't. You know what? We talk about everything. Yeah. Talk everything about juicy. Every everything juicy. Yeah. Except juice. Not yet. We'll get there. We probably will. Probably. Next do you week. like? What do you think of juice? <laughs> That's um, how we're starting. Fruit this one. juice. Or yeah. just Okay. Um. I hate when people put ginger into juices and what? carrots no. and beetroot. Not. Nah, no matter what you you like ginger. Ginger adds. It just adds this refreshing taste to it. A, a, a touch, not too much ginger. Stop this podcast right now. No, nah, get out. No, nah. <laughs> I love disgusting. ginger in my juice. I love pineapple on my pizza. I like pineapple on my pizza. All right. Yeah. And I love ginger in my juice. Ginger in your- <laughs> That's your next rap name. <laughs> ginger in my juice. Um, not Again, not too much, but... Um, just the right amount. Yeah. It, it, it just, you know, a juice with uh, apple, carrot, maybe some orange Yuck. and a little bit of ginger. It's beautiful in summer. Healthy. <laughs> I think I'll just stick to ginger with sushi and that's it. Oof, right. That will be the only acceptable. Suit yourself, Eliza. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> this has become Triple J. Tell us in the in the comments, do you like ginger in your juices? <laughs> All right, Touché. today uh, we're going to have a fun one. We are talking about. Well, fun for some and triggering for others. Potentially triggering, <laughs> yeah. especially if Warning. you have been affected by uh, yeah. said type of people. Now, Jordan and I actually talked about this on a previous podcast quite organically. We weren't planning on it, but we did a whole 30 minutes huh. just bantering about serial killers. We didn't go into any actual psychological depth. Yeah. Well, we did some rudimentary, half-joking analysis, but... We did talk about serial killers, and I was joking about how the serial killers were just better in the 60s. You know, today mm. they don't have the same charm, mm. which is true. Fair. There's yeah. no pop star serial killers today. Yeah, not currently. Not in our uh, social circles, maybe on certain websites. Yeah, some like terrorists are. That's true. Yeah, that would be it. Probably. Yeah, yeah and then that was the other thing. Is a terrorist, if you're uh, part of an army or a militia and you kill multiple people, are you a serial killer? Because there'd be people that probably served in the Australian army that have a multiple kills. That's a really Are they good serial point. killers? Yeah. Oh my god, I've never even thought of that. Wonder what the dictionary yeah. definition is. Um, I guess they are because they're killed and they've killed multiple times. The law. Well, I guess you know. Sometimes they just go into communities and and kill. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, there was a, that damning report of the Australian SAS. Didn't look good. I don't know it. Uh, it. There's just a report that certain members of the Australian SAS really stepped outside of their line of duty and, and basically tortured and killed Afghani civilians. Oh, yeah. So That's so sad. Yeah, I can't verify any of this. It's a report. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. But then the, the, the other side of the cultural argument is, well, 99% of uh, men and women who serve make a huge sacrifice and are very lawful and disciplined and, and work their ass off for the uh, safety of our country, mm-hmm. which is very true. So yeah. we're not trying to taint everyone with the same brush. But if it's true what they did, that, yeah. that, that doesn't sound good. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of like that argument where it's like, well, not all men. Yes, but if if there is a proportion of people in within one group doing this, it's shocking enough that it needs to be confronted and addressed. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let me just move that a bit closer to Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Eliza's dislocated her shoulder. I don't know if you can tell if you're watching the video. <laughs> well, just by the sound of my voice. And it was a just very pain. funny situation that caused the dislocation. Let's not, let's not go into it. No, you don't have to. But let's it's just say shameful. it was funny. It's... No, it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, speaking of uh, serial killers, we wanted to try to unpack why some serial killers are so alluring to young women, mm. especially the uh, Ted Bundy types on yes. Netflix. Yeah. And there seems to be this intrinsic obsession that a lot of stereotypically white girls, middle-class white girls, mm. 
love about uh, these sorts of stories of, of, of true crime and really deranged psychopathic men. Yeah, why are serial killers so sexy? Well, do you know what's interesting? <laughs> I wouldn't have even said that. I, but that's that, not my okay. opinion. Let's and can just... <laughs> I just, you know how you hate it when men are like, yeah, a 14-year-old girl is hot. I just wouldn't do anything. Yeah, this that's, is the equivalent. That's the equivalent. <laughs> when we hear that a guy who was brutally murdered multiple women yes is sexy yeah we're just like what the fuck do you want do you know what okay, i like what about this? this one though is that like when you talk about fetish and kink in general you have all these kind of like hypotheses where you're like mm, not sure like why this is stemmed from this or whatever yeah. but with the serial killers and like feeling like arousal towards them this is an actual thing um and it's actually it's an actual fetish i think it's called like Oh, I can't remember, like hybristophilia or something like that. I can't really? remember. Yeah. Um, and there's there's heaps of um, different reasons to why, but they're all like actual evidential reasons to why people are attracted to serial killers, in particular women. And we have the concept or the idea that it is younger girls, but that's just because it's the young ones that are posting about that's it true. on social media. I'm but sure the really, 60s, the majority, were. it's 30 to 40-year-old women that are... Um, much more okay. statistically. Is it a fetish like, uh, I don't know, foot fetish or something where it's just a small proportion that are really into this one thing that you could say is, is out of the ordinary? Or what it seems to be is that it, it, every girl seems to have some sort of interest at least, not necessarily yeah. attracted to, but a very... Uh, engaged by uh, these stories of true crime and and the and the sort of psychological profile of people like your Ted Bundys yeah. and I and I've asked one or two girls so very anecdotal this uh, this study that I've done <laughs> uh, I literally just DM'd this one girl like, <laughs> so do you, I just I just said can I ask you a personal question are you attracted to Ted Bundy and then she was like ha ha lol well. I don't think I'm necessarily attracted, but it's just really interesting the way he managed to charm all those people. And yeah, uh, I can't remember what else she said, but that really stuck out to me. Yeah, I think that it's, well, first of all, to touch on the why women are interested in like crime in general. Yeah. Rather, not just like arousal, but like have this kind of like super interest in it and love listening to it. And also actually to do with kind of arousal is one of the reasons is that Women, this is a threat to women and mm. serial killers, 99% of them are male and it is a 90, 95% of victims are going to be female as we gotta, well. We've got to fight that uh, serial killer gender gap. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, women. Some equality here. <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah. Anyway, probably not. Uh, but basically, it's it's almost like this is such a true and relevant fear for women and it's something that you as a male, you can empathize, but you'll never actually truly understand the fear of of you know, I can be harmed just walking home or, or finishing here at 4 p.m. and going to my car, like that kind of thing. And that a way of coping with this kind of reality that we live in is to show interest in it. And it's why some people, you know, that we've, we see that sexual abuse survivors very frequently have rape fetish as a way mm. of coping. It's kind of almost like... Um, like that can be a reason for it. Can I quickly uh, push back on one of those things you said? Because that's mm. a common thing that is directed at men. You don't know what it's like to yeah. constantly be uh, fearing f that violence is going to be committed against you. Now, yeah. sexual violence, yes, yes the, the statistics yeah. there are very uh, lopsided. But most of the victims of violent crime, are I'm pretty men. sure, are actually yes. men. And yeah. if you grow up in certain areas... Yeah, mainly uh, uh, you know lower class, lower socioeconomic. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of gang violence, yeah. and it's generally targeted towards men. Now, I, a lot of times those men are involved in the gangs in some way. Yeah, but we, yeah, we don't know what it. We on average do not know what it's like to um, fear the the constant threat of sexual violence. Mm. But yeah. we'll also walk down a sketchy alleyway, and like if there's some scary looking dudes but there. But that's just how women can... F so you know that feeling when you're overseas and you're, I don't know, let's say you're in Thailand or you're in Rome and there's some like very dodgy areas around there and you're walking mm. down that street and you're just like very hypervigilant and you're as a male, like as you, mm. and you're like, okay, we got to be careful here, mate. Like just hold on to your 
wallet or whatever. Yeah. That's how women can feel as their lived experience 24-7. So, yes, men are the more likely to have violence occur against them in terms of, like, gang activity and street activity. But it's not something that you're consciously aware of out and about 24-7. Like, you going to Coles down the road, you're not going to be thinking, shit, like, someone might come at me. Whereas even, you know, the last time I got harassed by men was last night. I was walking in an alleyway and um, some guy, two guys in a car beeped at me and then put their cars on the brake, reversed back to me and harassed me the whole way to my car saying all these things to me. So it's just something that, and I was like, shit, I should not have been walking down an alleyway on my own. What am I going to do? I'm wearing like little heels. I've got my arm in a fucking sling. There's two guys there. There's one of me. Like, it's just that kind of at least in Sydney, Australia, where we're at, it's not something that you would experience as much. It's almost like saying like a, a person of um, colour would say to us that- Us? Me. Yeah. White people, sorry. Okay. You don't, you can empathise with racism and you can understand what we go through, but you'll never truly understand the depth of, of it. Okay. Well, if you're relating it to that and yeah. comparing it to- the plight of people of color, I would then actually push mm. back on that because I think uh, pain for being the other, for yeah. being ostracized, for being different is not something that's unique to people of color. I think white people, I think anyone who is bullied for mm. something that they can't control is ostracized for it, is made to feel different and is made to feel like an other. Mm. That pain is the same as the pain I would feel if, a bunch of white people like, oh, you're brown, you don't belong, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So I actually don't like this whole culture of, oh, people of colour have a monopoly on um, uh, grievances in regards to uh, being othered mm. because I think it's very divisive and I also think it's wrong. I think I know people in my life that are white mm. and have been bullied and ostracised Far worse than me. Now, yeah. that's not taking into account, I suppose, the historical context where, mm. you know, their people or people like look like look that look like them or might have attributes that they have were never marginalized or oppressed. But to what degree does that uh, ac account for in, in 2021? And also, is the pain they feel any different to the pain a person of color feels? No, like, you can't judge that. I think, uh, though, like... I don't know if it's the actual it might I'm th I think it is the actual definition though of racism is not necessarily like the pain that you feel but it's being in injustice by a system in place. And I you know I've experienced bullying or whatever but I I'm not going to claim I know what it's like as a brown person or a black person to be bullied. So you've experienced violence or whatever but you can't claim I know what it's like as a woman to be assaulted. That's what I meant by saying that that we yeah. can't just say we get what you what you feel because no matter how much you empathize it we can't okay but that, that i i know that the the definition of racism yeah. has changed where uh, it differentiates yeah. from prejudice so prejudice yeah. is where you uh malign someone because of certain attributes they may have mm. uh whereas racism is uh, a, a system or an economy or or some sort of uh, rigid structure that marginalizes a group of people now that's a very new definition that was never mm. in the consciousness until recently so mm. it's also based on critical race theory which is a theory it's a subjective way of looking mm. at the world and it's it really complicates things and perplexes a lot of people because for a lot of people the definition of racism is treating someone mm. differently well negatively yeah. treating someone because of their race yeah now if you want to say that's the definition, Yeah. then yeah, okay, a system of power has never, you know, um, disadvantaged you because you have white mm. skin. But even that, I would push back on that because mm. I think it's far more complicated than just yeah, let's just define the entire system and, as yeah. something that yeah. pushes down people yeah. of color yeah. and, and brings down people. My point is that if, if we just restrict the conversation whatever we're talking about by saying this is what I've experienced and you'll never know what it's like. You'll you'll never have uh, any sort of emotional experience that's even slightly similar. I don't think that's true, first of all. Mm. 
in any case, whether it's uh, race or gender, but I also think that's extremely divisive. And mm. and I even if it is the case in some circumstances where someone has experienced certain emotions and a way of living that is just not even close to what another person has experienced, there's at least there's at least a level of empathy that can be achieved yeah. that I think can bring people closer together and and the way to experience that empathy is to is to say well I have experienced this this vaguely similar mm. uh interaction mm. it's not to say it's not to belittle what someone else has experienced it's not to make it a competition yeah. But it's just a point of human connection more yeah. than anything. Yeah, I mean, empathy is a whole other ball game, and I, I didn't mean to bring like that sexual uh, violence that women experience. I did not mean to relate that to racism. I I only meant in the sense that like the point that you first made yeah. that it is something that I can't claim to experience uh, know what a black person experiences in terms of racism, as I think that men cannot claim to fully 100% understand what it's like as a woman to experience this kind of thing. Like even in our previous podcast, you've been like, oh, I wish I was, you know, we were fetishized kind of thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, no, I wish we weren't. That kind of thing is because you don't experience it the way that we experience it, even though you understand it completely and agree. Yeah. Okay. And now that's totally fair. And I would agree with you as long as you say the word fully in there. Fully, okay. Because I fully. would never claim to say I fully understand yeah. what a woman goes through at all. But you can 99%. But you can, <laughs> yeah. at the very, we can say, you know, look, here are some – I'm worried uh, that uh, we are developing this mentality where certain groups have this just sort of monopoly over certain feelings. Mm. And, you know, like I said previously, people of colour have this monopoly over – grievance and and victimhood in terms of being part of an out group and no it's not the same at all when um uh you walk down an alleyway compared to when i walk down an alleyway but what about a uh let me just say hypothetically a young boy who grows up in the absolute sketchiest area of sydney which they put some pretty damn sketchy areas where you can't I know train stations where you literally can't go there after dark. Yeah. You will get stabbed. Yeah. You just 100% will get stabbed. Now, I know it's not the se- it, yeah. it's not sexual violence, mm. but it is this persistent fear that sure. something's going to happen. Now, again, I don't want to make it about men. I don't want to say, mm. you know, oh, I'm not trying to belittle or like degrade mm. any experience that a woman has had, but I, I do think it's still worthwhile to, to not fully restrict the experiences you may have had and say only people from my group have experienced things that are completely similar to what I've, I've experienced because I try not to do that with, mm. um, you know, r- r- prejudice and racism. Mm. And and I think I think that's a uh, a, a more holistic and uh, better way forward. But I I can also understand the mm. other argument. And I would never and any man that well anyone that sort of claims to to say oh yeah but i've had this experience and it's the same and i toughened up and dealt with Mm. it so you should do that Mm. that's not what i'm trying to get at Mm. again like with a lot of what we discuss i just think there's a nuanced middle ground there Mm. that is the appropriate way to to look at a conversation ladies but anyway um go on <laughs> Where was there's I? A good, there's, a, there's a digression. <laughs> We've gone on another 20 minutes. Yeah, <laughs> as soon as you go on anything to to do with woke, I'll go. I'll go on and on. Yeah, honestly, I think it's one of those things that we will we agree to disagree on. I agree with sure. you in some points, but okay. I also stand by that it's just. We all have, you know, everyone has individual experiences, and there's certain groups and that are going to have experiences that we other groups won't won't necessarily have and as as a woman we will have experiences that most men don't have um anyway so to sum up that prior to this what i was saying is that women can use their fear and pain of a certain situation external Mm -hmm. situation and turn it into something it's almost like how you know how uh more frequently in men but in both or in all genders we often see people that use humor to deflect and like 
Um, yeah. Or something. Or my mom died last night. And then like we even on t- with COVID and seeing, I'm sure you've seen like heaps of TikToks of people kind of making humorous videos about their parent that passed away, like dark sure, humor. Sure. And that's their way of coping. It's almost a coping mechanism for women to kind of fetishize or sexualize or show an interest in this kind of violence because it is an impending threat to us. At, at most parts of our life, especially as young women, which is, you know, what we're seeing is the most common kind of group. Um, but that was one of many, many reasons as to why we've kind of drawn into but, serial killers. But creating humor out of a situation that can be threatening is very different to being you know, aroused by yeah. this situation. Yes. So how do we get to that point? Yeah, so... There was one of the um, the ideas is actually that, well, okay, I'll go through a few of them. One of them was that we, if we know he's in jail and he's going to be in jail for life, like Ted Bundy, he got married after he was mm-hmm. in jail, I believe, or he proposed in the courtroom, but she already knew that he was convicted of um, murders, blah, blah, blah. And one of the reasons why we see that men in jail often get all these fan letters and lovers writing to them. Sometimes it can be put down to a woman is going to feel more secure in her relationship, knowing that he's not going to go out and cheat with another woman because he can't. So You're kidding. Yeah. It's, that's no. a smaller reason, but it absolutely is. But then that would apply to any man who's in jail. Yeah. So Which is a thing. I don't, really? I don't know. Like, I, I don't know why this got onto my for you page, but it became like a trend on my for you page of TikToks of girls that were like writing to men in jail and then had relationships. It's like everyone that's twenty years old has started doing this. It's crazy. So these guys living it up. They have like uh, they're getting money sent to them, like nudes and like constant love letters, calls, and it, it works for both of them. <laughs> right. yeah. That's another situation like the <laughs> men liking eighteen-year-old girls, where yeah, I'm sure a lot of men would be like, yeah, yeah, that's infuriating. Yeah, um, because and- I, you know, we sit here trying to not break the law. <laughs> yes, and all we need to do is get into jail. Just break the law. That's how you get girls. There you go, incels. Um, you need to mix things up a little bit. Is there anything to do with the fact that uh, serial killers are obviously very dangerous, but also especially the ones from the 60s like your Charles Manson and Ted mm. Bundy, they were very charming. Yes. And from all accounts, they were pretty good looking yeah. and they were intelligent and emotionally intelligent yeah. and they were dangerous. Yeah. So this so comes they just down epitomized to like, all the qualities that are attractive. Uh, yeah. For like a biological perspective, it demonstrates kind of what we would say is like, you know, the true alpha male and the reason why this can kind of enhance sexual urges in some women is that, you know, we, we know the amount of women that fetishize serial killers is like, is ridiculous. There's hundreds of thousands of women or whatever, hmm. but in total percentage, it'd be like one to 2%. Like it's not as common as we think, but it's still too common. But on that one specifically, like biologically, it'd be because intrinsically we're feeling that this man will be able to protect my offspring. Like this man will kill another man that comes to harm me or my child. And that is something that is appealing to some people. But he'll also kill you. Maybe, he kills, yeah. he charmed Ted yeah. Bundy charmed the women that he killed exactly. and then he murdered them. Yeah. Yeah. So how is that a, someone who's going to protect you and your offspring? That's just because someone these, who's going to kill you. These people think that they're different. So what they've okay. found actually right. amongst... Oh, um, you're the one I don't want to kill. Yeah, Every literally. other girl I want to brutally rape and murder, but not you. Exactly. Oh, so Statistically, what, they're, what they've found gross. is that women that have like these kind of um, inclinations towards serial killer is that one, they're either emotionally immature. Uh-huh. Two, Im- did you say immature? Yeah, emotionally okay. immature, like as in they're young or just have low emotional intelligence. Um, two, they have a controlling aspect of their relationship that it's appealing that he's in jail, like I mentioned before. Three, they are insecure and it's it's validating to them to have, you know, this dangerous man giving them attention as well and showing them care and that they can genuinely believe he wouldn't harm me. And one of the big things actually was that they were looking at men and saying, oh, he's lonely. He just needed someone to love him. And they're relating to him. Like Women are very empathetic 
most of the time we have a lot of nurturing kind of um, biology and intrinsic feelings in us. So it's this drawnness to, I want to nurture him and look after him. And I, or I can see, there was like this common phrase, whereas I can I'll see change the, him. no, I can see the little boy in him that needs healing. Like that was a, the nutshell yeah, of it. Yeah. Cause that from, from what I know about Ted Bundy's history is he had a bad mother Yeah, and she basically didn't want him. And then yeah. she did look after him, but was very resentful towards him. And mm. that caused a lot of his, uh, behavior, mm. but, uh, hearing all of that, it's, um, interesting it to is. take a lot of that in. Uh, it is. there are some similarities, would you say to the archetypal, protagonist in a romance novel where it's usually this dangerous man who's uh a fighter and will be violent and no one knows what he's going to do next he's unpredictable and he's cold and then the only person he shows warmth to is you occasionally yeah Yeah, that's the worst i hate that so there's this sort of oh he's so dangerous and can protect my offspring but he loves me and only me yeah yeah you know um did you watch bridgerton that show, everyone is obs- okay. It's a show on Netflix. Everyone is obsessed with it at the moment. Well, every girl is obsessed with it. Every mm-hmm. single person I know from 18 to 30 is talking to me about this show. So I was like, I gotta watch it. So th- I think it's only eight episodes, and I'm seven episodes in and still waiting for something good to happen. To me, I just don't understand the appeal in it. But everyone's, you know, really in love with the this main character who basically is cold, rejecting, shutting down the girl the whole time, shows little interest. Um, is unemotional and unavailable. And um, I look at him and I'm like, what the hell is appealing in this? But every single girl is like, oh, my God, when they get together, like, it's just going to be amazing. They're all waiting to the uh-huh. eighth episode until they finally get together or something or confess love. But it's just, it was interesting to observe how many people were frothing on this man that to me shows literally not a single relationship skill. <laughs> in a partnership that I would think people would look for. Right. Is it the whole we want what we can't have mentality? Tall, where, dark, mysterious. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if, if a man is rejecting you or not showing interest, it makes you want him more. And yeah. that's that's a very human thing. I don't think that's a yeah. uniquely female thing. If, there are, if there's a girl that a man's into but uh, she's uh, showing disinterest and or maybe she friend zones him or whatever it may be, that just mm. makes you want her more because mm. because – what is subconsciously occurring is that you're internalizing the idea that um she's too good for me yeah or similarly maybe they're internalizing the idea he's too good for me so if i can get her that would be so rewarding and validating yeah i can't remember um what what source this came from uh, but I watched a video once and it was so amazing on, it was basically unpacking romance movies. And it said that there's one of two scripts that they will use at all times. And one of them, and the most common one is essentially two people that, or well, the, one of them is two people that want to be together and can't, like Romeo and Juliet, The Notebook, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And the other really common one that all romance falls under either that one or this one, which is two people that don't want to be together. They hate each other, but then they end up together. Um, and it's neither of those are healthy. <laughs> Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's with the second one? What's appealing about that? Is it some sort of tension that that then can create a bit of what yeah. can lead into sexual tension, and then a realization that this person is actually yeah. It's almost like you know you kind of see it. And I can't think of movies off the top of my head other than like Friends with Benefits. Say like they don't hate each other, but they're they're friends and they're clearly in the friend zone. That kind of thing, or uh-huh. movies like that where it's like oh. I could never be with him. He's my brother, yuck, or whatever. Fuck, what and movies then, are you watching? Um, uh, he's just not that into you. That's like a concept in. But the bro- wait, someone like get you with know, some guys are like, oh, he's like a brother oh, he's to like me. A brother. Not you my didn't literal. Say that. You said oh, he's my God. brother. No, no, no. So he's like a brother. So I think that's this kind of thing that people are that Hollywood has made us be attracted to or interested in whereas yeah but is it hollywood because those sorts of themes have uh existed throughout literature (laughs) yeah throughout time in shakespeare there was a well romeo and juliet was not a hollywood creation and there's plenty of those love stories throughout time Mm. do you 
let's compare some of the tropes of uh, female-targeted romance and romantic comedy love movies compared to male-targeted romance and romantic comedy <laughs> love movies. The male-targeted ones are more often than not, especially the ones targeted to young boys, the nerd gets the Super beautiful hot, woman. Yeah. unattainable and woman. And first there's this like... Uh, guy who's a total asshole, treats her like crap, is a jerk, but then Mm. she doesn't look at him, but then he does something, he overcomes something or he achieves something or gets into a a band and does an amazing performance and Mm -hmm. saves her or stands up to the bullies and wins her. Exactly. So that's the classic trope of uh, male-targeted romantic comedies or uh, romance movies it, it plays into i'd say more of a teenage fantasy mm-hmm. uh where you know you you want the most beautiful girl in the school but deep down you know you're not really worthy of that so you have to overcome yeah most some young men are gonna and... identify with the the nerd rather than the popular guy because the chances of being the popular guy in the school are like two percent kind of thing exactly yeah. so you are like the uh the yeah. fairy tale essentially mm-hmm. of this uh this guy just doing these uh extraordinary acts and overcoming all these obstacles yeah and winning her heart i mean v- video games are like that look mario he's just this like yeah. short fat italian guy that jumps on a few mushrooms and then yeah. this like gorgeous princess he saves her mm-hmm. and she falls for it. Or, or even just classic fairy tales there's always a quest there's always something a yeah. man has to overcome and then he wins he wins the girl mm-hmm. he has to do something though mm. it's not that she notices him because he's just there he he's done something he's yeah. he's achieved something he's become the best version of himself i think you know if you can if you you can always break break it down and say there are some unhealthy aspects to it but overall if it's telling men be the best version of yourself, do the best you can do. I think that's healthy. What may be unhealthy is, and then you deserve the girl if you've done that. But I don't think most men think that way. I think if if I can be the best I can be, I can then uh, find someone, uh, find the woman of my dreams or something like that. I, d- I don't yeah, think it's necessarily I think that one's okay. Do you know the unhealthy. one I have an issue with though is when it's the woman um, – it's the same in reverse, basically. But instead of the girl doing something to, you know, the quest or whatever, she has to become hot to get his interest. Like uh, I think there was that's in like Darfur. There's a f- there's heaps of movies actually like which, that. Uh, which okay, yeah. Where she's like she's kind of like nerdy, and, and then, then or even or the Princess Diaries. Yeah, then she has this makeover, and she's all hot, and then the guy that. The popular guy like ditches the bitchy high school girl, and he's no, like, "Oh my uh, god, who's that no, kind she's of thing?" Not, she's hot and nice. Yeah, Cinderella, even yeah. yeah. So that kind of in both scenarios, it's basically indicating, men, you guys can like just stay the same, just do something cool. Women, well, you got to be hot. Sorry, I don't <laughs> know if it's just stay the doing something cool it's often a pretty uh insurmountable task you know they do achieve some pretty amazing <laughs> things <at> <laughs> just like to, what i'm just saying to, like, no, no, no. sometimes say but sometimes it's like wow cool. you like uh spider-man and she's like you've just been there well he does pretty cool things but before she knew he was spider-man and she's like you mary jane's like wow like you've just been there like you're always nice like you treat me good that mm-hmm. kind of thing well, that coming back to, I guess, the serial killer thing, Spider-Man is obviously a very dangerous man yeah. who is capable of uh, great evil, but he chooses not to do that and he chooses instead to use his powers for good. And mm-hmm. he probably doesn't open up to a lot of women, so then you would feel very special, whereas if you are yeah. just the nice guy that's always there, that mm-hmm. maybe doesn't, I don't know, you tell me, does that maybe not necessarily make the girl feel as secure because... There's no element of danger there. It's not, you know, he could be nice to any girl, whereas if he's this dangerous crime-fighting half-spider thing Mm. that is then trying to protect me at all costs, that's uh, a lot more attractive. I think I've I've said before that I think, in my opinion, not all of the cases, but a lot of the cases about this comes down to your previous, you know, your upbringing, your relationship with your parents and your previous relationship experience and that it's more likely yeah. that you will appreciate the nicer guy if you've had 
if you're older and more mature, emotionally mature, and you have had successful relationships where you know what you want. But when you have, you know, when you're young, you're immature, you experience trauma, um, you know, faulty or or turbulent relationships, then you're going to be appealed to someone that's like mysterious and dangerous and whatever. That's going to be the kind of sexy aspect like we spoke about that one time about the mysteriousness can put appeal on someone without needing to know anything else um and so these some women will see ted bundy and think i can win him over i can change him or i can um support him or whatever even just knowing what he does and not wanting to change him but thinking it's so like erotic that this is a man that will take what he wants like to me, that makes me feel sick to think about what he does, like genuinely makes me upset. But these women, you know, regardless of why, they just have those kind of inclinations. And another one was because they genuinely just have um, attention-seeking behavior. So yeah. they're like, well, fuck this. Like, I'm just going to go after him and I know this is going to be crazy. My family's going to get so angry at me, but that's what makes it more exciting. Like... Um, it's kind of like breaking the law or getting s- secondary fame from dating him as an appeal. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So the volatility of the, the yeah. emotions that come yeah. with dating someone like that, yeah. whereas dating the stable uh, the one's guy with care. a nice job who goes yeah. to his job nine to five and comes home every day at the right time and always texts back is boring. Yeah. All anyone has to say is good on you. Bob seems nice. And then this one, pe- people are like, what the hell are you doing? And that kind of like. Oh, he's hot, but he's so weird. Yeah. No, don't you can't trust him. You can't. Yeah. He'll hurt you. Yeah. No, he won't hurt me. Yeah. I'm special. Yeah. There's no. I'm trying to think if there's an exact equivalent like that for men. I don't think there's an exact equivalent. I don't think where they're um, wanting that emotional volatility. Uh, but we. You'd be surprised. Yeah. Really. <laughs> yeah. I. I. I'm guessing men coming back to that romantic comedies that are targeted to men we love a quest we love yeah something to do something to overcome some yeah. sort of journey so maybe if there is a girl that maybe she doesn't explicitly say but implicitly is stating your we read it as you're not good enough for me we see that as a call of action well i'm going to do this yeah. and i'm going to build this business and i'm going to work on my body and i'm mm-hmm. going to uh earn all this money and then i'm going to win you yeah. So there's but, but the issue that kind is in equivalent. Maybe this can be reflected in real life when when they say that men love the chase, and then when they've caught the catch, they're like, mm-hmm. "What now? <laughs> <laughs> no thank But then you. everyone yeah. loves the chase, don't you think? Because coming that that you Bridgerton, right? That's obviously yeah. there's a ch- huge chase aspect. Yeah, there. yeah, that's it, that's it, and that's what that book, Mating in Captivity. Bicep Perel is literally the foundation of arousal hmm. um, is based on not having that secure sexual ongoing um, attachment where you where you know that that person's going to be there for you to be it's con- sexually gratify you. And when they do, you no longer are as aroused. So you have yeah. to find ways to kind of have that little tug and pull, not literally, but well, yes, literally. Hopefully, yeah. Um, as well as as maintaining that because it is funny how when we're dating someone, we're not yet committed. We're so desperate to get that kind of commitment, and like, mm. and then when you get there, for a lot of people, the intimacy wanes a lot, goes down. Yep that uh, <laughs> that book can be quite confronting, but it's a good read. And she does some of the notes I made on it were just weird to read back because it was, you know, maintain a slight bit of aggression and tension and sometimes actually showing a bit of disinterest, but but in a sort of organized and and uh, dichotomous way where we're both agreed to it, mm. that can be really helpful for the sexual uh, dynamic of a yeah. long term couple. Yeah. So, but it's just—it's interesting, though. It's, it's not a tough one. It's not one size fits all. Like you and yeah. I love Esther. Like we love her. But a lot of relationship, other relationships, Somebody probably don't like her. Yeah, psychologists yeah. would say actually the key to a successful relationship is interdependence, where you're not independent and you're not codependent, but you you rely on that person's stability and loyalty, and that's the foundation of you know your love and your intimacy and, and closeness. And the closer you are, the better. Blah blah. blah. Whereas Esther is like, yes, be close, but have periods. Of drawing back not like even just temporarily for a couple hours go out and do a class something um or going to the gym is in some ways 
drawing away. But um, other relationship therapists are like, no, you don't need to do that. So it is, it's interesting. Mm. That is interesting. Yeah. I feel like in a modern context with the dating market and environment the way it is currently, even if it may not suit you personally, it's uh, helpful to take on board some of Esther's advice there. Yeah, you got to maintain your individuality. I think that's yeah. a really important thing yeah. because that's often what someone is attracted to you for initially in the first place. Of course, and the attractiveness yeah. doesn't stop when you're in a long-term re- Sorry, the attractiveness can stop when you're in a long-term yeah. relationship. You still got to work to maintain that. Yeah, you got to work it. Yeah. Attractive to your to your partner. Uh, because the classic cliche is that, you know, people have been in a relationship 10 years and they let themselves go yeah. and then they get upset that the other person isn't into them anymore. Yeah. And sure, there's this uh, tacit emotional understanding that we should always uh, be intimate with each other because we've made that commitment, but you can't force sexual attraction. Yeah. So if that is gone... And it's because someone may have let themselves go, assuming no other horrendous things have occurred in in their life to to get to that point. Then I think it's on that. I don't, I don't think you can like force the other person. You should be attracted to me. You should yeah. still want me. Yeah, you can't you guilt can't them. Force anything. Yeah. yeah, that would make it worse. Yeah, that makes them less attracted. To yeah. Me. But uh, so true. If there's one lesson I could give to people under twenty five, it's just that because you lose attraction to someone. It's often only temporary and it does not mean that you need to end your relationship because everyone interprets it as, I just don't feel that spark. Now we have to break up. Bye. Well, you got You should almost expect that because it will yeah, happen. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And then it's how you deal with it. Yeah, like my boyfriend says to me all the time, like, oh, my God, we've been together for seven months. We're so obsessed with each other. It's going to be like this forever. And I'm like, no, it's not. Seven, we're still on the honeymoon. Expect this, expect this, because otherwise yeah. you're going to be shocked when it two happens years, and yeah. things that mean something. It could be two years, could be four years. It might even be seven years, but it's still going to happen. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> well, that's good. That's healthy. And I think, yeah, yeah everyone should kind of – that's a big reason why I like the idea of non-monogamy. However, there are definitely other uh, – <laughs> uh, which I will talk about on a podcast eventually. Not, it's a bit raw right now. But there are other uh, major obstacles to uh, navigate in that situation. Yeah. Um, but uh, I still believe in – fundamentally believe in the philosophy of that. Um, mm. I – I don't know about polyamory. That I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could be in love with multiple people. That that that's too no confronting way. for me. Not no. But way. look, credit yeah. to the people who do it. Good on you. Yeah, I agree. You Good can on do you guys. that. I would not be able to manage my emotions. Like, oh, you got another girl, a rescue dog? <laughs> no. That's very specific. <laughs> <laughs> Triggered. No. Damn. Yeah, a rescue. Yeah. Well. Well. Uh. What else? What are we talking can about? Can we unpack oh, yeah. about serial, serial kills? Because yeah, we've we've <laughs> gone on, on a few tangents. This is on. the podcast of tangents, isn't it? It uh, is. We do get off, off topic a little bit. It's uh, it can be occasionally discursive. I think yeah. that's the word. Uh, yeah. So um, I think that one of the things that I learned, which I, we mentioned at the start, was that it's the serial killers, especially in the sixties when there wasn't so much. I guess, social media where we can, if there's a serial killer now, it gets unpacked so much. We That's learn about true. their past. We learn about their history. We learn about what they went through. And mm. we have voices all around the world constantly saying, this person is sick. This is disgusting. Whereas- They were you know, gl- glamorized, yeah, weren't they? Yeah, they were. You were like, all you see is this young male and you're like, oh, he's murdered someone. Like the details weren't as graphic um, until later and things like that. So it is kind of interesting why it, it is dying down a little bit except in the state uh in the in in terrorism we're still finding that a lot of people but it's very specific types of people that obviously that are what do you say what do you mean dying down because there's still a lot of serial killers out there they're often political they're well they cult leaders ted bundy wasn't politically motivated charles manson had his yeah cult ideas but the ones today are often there's white nationalist serial killing but then there's also uh, you know, I think there's been black. Yeah, there was a guy that killed police officers. There's incel serial killing. That's now yeah. a big. I meant not serial killers dying down. I meant that the the like obsession with fetishizing current serial killers is not as common. No, but but there's uh 
in the 90s or even the 2000s was there still such a popular fanfare over people like yeah. Ted Bundy whereas yeah. more recently because I think it's Netflix more yeah. than anything has has repopularized true crime yeah because no one loves true crime more than white girls true they love it can or just girls I think definitely just confirm love true that. Crime. I like I mean true crime is interesting I like it too but man they love it yeah. So, and I, when I say love, I don't, I don't mean they all are aroused by it or yeah. whatever. But, but it's been they're not sexually aroused by it. Yeah. But uh, there definitely is a, a, a massive interest mm. in 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 the I would say the psychology of That's a it. lot of these. We love uh, to unpack emotions. 60s uh, serial killers, whereas yeah. the ones today, they're not glamorized and they're not attractive in the same yeah. way because if it's a guy that that guy in toronto who literally ran over 30 people because yeah. women wouldn't fuck him there's nothing attractive about no, that there is That's, in fact a massive turnoff yeah. but w- weirdly enough when it's um uh ted bundy who also had elements of incel mm. female resentment mm. because he didn't like his mom mm. but he was charming yeah. And that's the big difference there. Yeah. It's it's it can well, be a little bit more not necessarily engaging. because when I was reading into this today, I read that I don't know if it was specifically for 60s, 70s times or if it's still common now, but there's been a lot of period of times where women were still being super aroused and guys in jail were having fangirls that were serial killers. I don't know his name, but there was one, he had like a missing eye and was like old and looked like a biker. And even he had women throwing himself at her and there was nothing about him that was attractive. There was nothing about him that was charming. Yeah. They just found him intrinsically sexy. Um, so it is, it's <laughs> weird and interesting kind of thing, but you know, there's, there's, there's an interest in anything and anyone, I of guess, course. a sexual interest. Well, I find it interesting to unpack why they might find those sorts of guys a- attractive. What are those aspects and qualities that they find attractive and whether or not that can yeah. then be harnessed in a healthier way, I think <laughs> in a way that isn't killing innocent people. But I feel like mystery it's... and intrigue and, yeah. and, and having a sense of danger about you, yeah. that is an actual danger, but... I've said that on previous podcasts. Yeah. I think that's something that guys, especially if they're struggling with women, could look into doing if it's done in a healthy way. That's the main thing. Well, Don't go and kill people. Become a rock star. That's the well, that's the kind of alternative, literally. Think yeah, about it. Just go neck tomorrow, just become a rock star. Yeah. It's easy. Well, maybe do screamo. I feel like that's a talent that a lot of people probably have that haven't unlocked. Yeah, musicians are very. I always say this, but compared to comedians, the 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 sexual allure of musicians because they're showing so much emotion. They're they're performative. They're usually very good looking. There's so much energy. Whereas a comedian's just getting on stage and saying, "So this is why I'm an idiot," and (laughs) then just making jokes about it. This is why I am not attractive. It's not the same. Except there are some comedians. I always talk about this with Jordan, but yeah, Russell Brand is the one that I think about, and he had women. I've heard stories that are just insane. Like after shows, his manager would be like. All right, who wants to fuck Russell Brand? <laughs> and then Miller would, ah, da, 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 and there'd be like a line. Oh my god! He'd pick out one, and he'd fuck her in the dressing room. <laughs> and, and I don't, I can't verify. I don't know how true this is. That's what I've. Heard. It definitely sounds accurate, though. <laughs> I just, that is the dream. He's charming. That he is, is the so dream. charming. Okay, though. if I can get to that level, yeah. my god. Yeah, was he always? Did he start off with comedy? Is that how his career got started? Oh, uh, he was just a drug addict for yeah. a, a very long time. How did time. he get famous? Yeah, he started off in stand-up oh, comedy. He wow. started off. He 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 went into the Edinburgh Fringe and built his way up in in the UK. Then got a show in America, mm. and then married Katy Perry, and then yeah. they got divorced. And now he's just this spiritual guru who does yeah. these podcasts and uh, is still very. Is that he is the epitome of charisma? Yeah. That guy. There is yeah. no one more charismatic than him, in whatever aspect of his life he's currently living out. When he was the bad boy drug addict comedian, impeccably charismatic. Mm. Now he's the sort of spiritual, uh, intelligent sage. Mm. Still very charismatic in his probably in his forties, maybe even fifty. Very quite good looking. Still, sure. is is he in his forties? 
I'd say so. Can we fact check this? If you want to, yeah. I think he's he's been around for a while. <laughs> How old is Russell? He's definitely a hippie now. Oh my god, he's forty-five. Yeah, wow. well, even that, I would have, I would have guessed closer to fifty. But there what? you go. <laughs> wow. Well, he's had a life. He he didn't get famous. He looks great. He, he was probably my age when he got really famous. Maybe even thirty. Yeah. So right. he had all his twenties. Just do, just did a lot of drugs. I think. I, I, yeah. He did have a pretty traumatic childhood. Right. So there's a lot to um. Yeah, he epitomizes a lot of those qualities that maybe he Ted does. Bundy does as well. It's uh. uh I can heal him. I can. He's so charming. And do you but know what I else can... that is carried along with this? Isn't just a like overt confidence, but kind of just the way he's so self-assured. And when he's talking all the shit, he's still self-assured. Yeah. And the way he sits back, like, like you know, legs, arms back, yeah. legs up, kind of thing. Yeah. It's just. All right, so I think we can unpack some of the traumas that occur yes, in here. Yes, exactly. And I think I've had a really spiritual understanding about the way that our consciousness intertwines with the people and different people and cultures all over the world. And we, yeah. So, so next very... week when we talk about fetish, you can pay uh, Neil $50 for a phone call to imitate <laughs> Russell Brand for any girls that are into that. Just direct transfer. Yeah, me. I'm working on that <laughs> impression. Because I hate, at first I hated him for a while because I was like, oh, he's not even funny. It's just because he's hot. And then and then I was like, no, he's pretty funny. And he's yeah. actually quite smart. Yeah. And yeah, I can't, you know, he's hot. So what? Like, I shouldn't yeah. get jealous about that. Um, I'd love to meet him. I'd love to meet that guy. I'd love to just hear his wildest stories because, yeah. my God, would he have stories. Well, don't give up that dream. Yeah, one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, if you're listening, somebody send this to, to my boy Russell. <laughs> he will certainly have the time to listen to, <laughs> to this. We interview all this. sorts of different people now, so yep. who knows? Who knows? <laughs> anyway. Anyways, um... back to serial killers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're off again. Um, women what? serial killers, how about that? Yeah, let's talk about it. Do they exist? There's one. <laughs> yeah, I know right. of that was famous. Who? And I've, oh, now I've forgotten her name. She's uh she she did that movie where Charlize Theron Charlize Theron played her. Oh, uh, like Kill Bill. No, 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 no. Oh my god, it's gonna kill me. Um and it's the movie where they made her like really unattractive and she had to gain all this weight. Oh, should I look it up? It's gonna bother me so much. But she murdered like something. What was her reason for murdering? I'm pretty sure she was a sex worker. Yeah. And then she got um, assaulted uh, or raped um, or something like that or robbed. And then she was just like, fuck this. And just went on like a rampage. But I can't quite. Oh, the movie's called Monster. And it's based on um, Eileen Wernos. I don't know, but her name's Eileen. That's all you need mm. to know. But anyway, highly recommend the movie, movie Monster. Like that, can, that's her. That's how much they changed the look of her. Wow. So Google Imager, you wouldn't believe because Charlize Theron is like a supermodel. Yeah. And, um, See, I don't think men are but she was not, over female. <laughs> no. uh, that's not attractive. I mean, good on her. She sounds like a boss. But a lot of women were actually fangirling her, not in like an arousal, sexy way. I but there's like why. a, yeah, yeah get them stick back. it to the man yeah, yeah, kind can, of thing. That makes a lot of sense, but it's just not, there's nothing really um, super attractive about that. It's fun. Even if you take something like pop stars, um, obviously female pop stars are hot and really sexy. But you said that was so much like true emotion. <laughs> Just well, looking are. off into. <laughs> I mean, they're absolutely. Who are you thinking about when you were saying that? Uh, like a Katy Perry. <laughs> and then I thought about Taylor Swift and Rihanna for a little bit. Like all of them, they're all hot. Ariana Grande, she's really look. The point is, they're hot. But it's not as though I I don't know. I'd wonder what men would think about. It's not as like we can see a really a, a really attractive girl just at the library or something, and have the same level of fantasy and mm. obsession. In fact, more likely, I would say, to obsess over someone in our like vicinity yeah. and our personal life. Yeah. Whereas we don't have posters in our room of the girl of the female pop stars we find really attractive, even as uh, teenagers. Mm. I'm guessing. 
we have posters of like Eminem and I don't well, know wrestlers and you, sports stars. In like early two thousands, every single guy had posters of like girls in bikinis and that's true they but it's just a stars. random girl yeah, in a, it's not random yeah it's yeah. not there's nothing Sports particularly special yeah. about the pop star which like if is, ariana grande turned out to be a murderer would you be like oh yes or would you be like oh no nah, she's off the rail she's cray cray no guys would just be like yeah, she's still hot <laughs> <laughs> I'd still, I'd still bang her, but it's not like oh now I'm super into yeah. her. It's not nothing like that. Yeah. Um. Maybe it is a thing that guys are maybe more intimidated by a a woman who is that powerful. Showing those and alpha male traits. Yeah, it could be that. Yeah, like your life is at risk here. Yeah. Whereas no, I want to be the po- I want to be the yeah. pop star. Yeah, I think that even like I, if for some cases there would be an element of like BDSM in arousal towards yeah. serial killers. Like true, I'm not. Being I can't talk for all men. to them and yeah. whatever. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I'm just speculating here. I can't yeah. talk for all men. Um, well, for both genders, I guess, or even the in reverse, like as as a like a sadist, like maybe thinking this guy's a serial killer. Imagine if I and tie him up and whip him mm. like that could be a ding ding for a lot of people or a small Ooh, amount yeah. of people yeah taming the yeah. taming the lion yeah. yeah yeah you know that show you on uh, yeah. netflix that one's really good because a lot of people do end up empathizing with the guy who's just a massive stalker yeah because they can see that it is genuinely coming from his fucked up childhood and he really yeah. does want to protect her. Yeah. But he's just doing it in a super illegal and unhealthy way. I love way. that show because even I had so many conflicting, like sometimes I'm like, this guy's so, I hate him. And then I'm like, oh, he's so cute. He just needs help. Like I yeah. definitely went through that myself. And um, the the <laughs> Ted Bundy um, movie that was played by Zac Efron. And yeah, every, like that. that's like what kind of brought up this whole concept again of why women yeah. are so obsessed with like serial killers. People were saying like, he shouldn't have played it. Like now we're just fetishizing it. But I thought it was good because it's like, you have to realize that good looking and charming people don't necessarily mean that they've got their shit together and, you know, they can protect you. They could be the ones harming you. And often they are. Uh, yeah, there's that Comes too. Comes in all yeah. types of shapes and sizes. The good thing about you, I mean, I'm going to ruin it for people here. Tell me the good thing about me. Yeah. The good, the good <laughs> thing about you, Eliza, the good thing about the show you uh, is uh, at the end of the, I think it's the second season. Oh, and I don't want to ruin it, yes. but fuck it. Oh. Fuck, if you haven't seen it, too bad. Just uh, don't listen for the next 25 yeah, seconds. Yeah, don't listen for the next, yeah, if you want to watch the show. But it turns out that the... Girl's also a maniac. No, 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 no. The better plot twist is when they she gets back with him, they fall in love or whatever, and the very last scene of the last season is like, I think she's pregnant, they're sitting at home, and then he spots his neighbor next door. Yeah. And he's like, and that's Ooh, when I one. met you. And then it starts yep. like, yeah. But she, in the previous episodes, ends up killing for him. Yeah. And actually, he's met his match. Yeah. Which I thought was really interesting. It's also, uh, yeah, that doesn't happen very often. No, no not very often, but, no. <laughs> uh, I don't know. What, what about like Bonnie and Clyde? Wasn't that that they, they both were criminals and murderers? Uh, yeah, that was like one in a million chance. I think that the only really <laughs> thing that scenario where that happens is when it involves like child sexual abuse is when the women team up with men. Okay. that's yeah. um, It's a sad fact. <laughs> that's very sad. Yeah. Jesus. All right. Well, let's uh, end the podcast <laughs> on, on, on a bit of a light. And even though we've talked about serial killers and uh, murdering and, and our uh, most uncomfortable intrinsic desires. Mm. <laughs> There's nothing left to You're talk like, about. You're like, well, that's it, actually. Yeah. We'll just end it there. <laughs> We'll just leave it on that note. Oh. If you feel like murdering someone, please seek professional help. Let's leave it on that note. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, and those feelings are not Definitely normal unless you have like a diagnosed compulsive thought syndrome kind of thing, in which case that's common. You can. I mean, people can have pretty dark Fleeting, thoughts. Fleeting thoughts. Yeah, okay, but consistent, if they're persistent. Yeah. yeah, that's an issue. Sure. Yeah, I've had dreams where I've murdered people. I have, I have dreams I where at like you dead in the eye when I yeah said, I didn't mean to do especially because I was telling you I kept having dreams about you this week that you were angry at me and now this so. 
Um, Unpack that one. I Jesus. dream about murdering people a lot, like having to defend myself <laughs> oh, and okay. not like just <laughs> out of anger. You know, <laughs> <laughs> it's always like I'm like a hero in my dream. Like, oh, that's like, good. Kicking someone's teeth out because he tried to do something, that kind of thing. Oh, good on you. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sick. Yeah. Mate. Good on you. That's yeah, nice. the, the Bogan. Uh, <laughs> The Bogan version yeah, of that right, eh? uh, serial killer female film. Oh, yeah, you fucking want to take my child support, cunt. I'll fuck get back at all, you cunts. And then just goes to like <laughs> the Holden like racing. I love that. Events just kills everyone. That would be great. True romance. Yeah, Aussie, Aussie version of that. Beautiful. Anyway, like and subscribe. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for listening and or watching. We will... We'll see you next time. And also there are uh, – we've got our first subscriber question that we're going to answer next week. And it's so juicy. So stay tuned for that. It's a really good one. If you want to send in your question, because this is still early on in our offering of subscriptions for this podcast, even if you send in just one question, we can we might go on for half or even a full podcast about it. So it's only $30, neilkohacker.com slash podcasts. It's a one-off cost. It's not a subscription. Uh, there are also our one, two, and three dollar subscriptions available for this podcast. Definitely helps us with uh, production costs. So if you can spare it, a dollar a month is twelve dollars a year. Uh, we would really appreciate it. And thank you very much. Have a great week. Thank you. Bye.